Welcome to Mind Your Own Revisions, a podcast about mental health and burnout in academia for all academics around the world and at every level. I'm Özgün Ünver, a social scientist with a PhD. Having struggled with mental health issues throughout my academic career, it is now my mission to inspire other academics to lift the stigma around mental health. Let's recover together. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10 of Mind Your Own Revisions, a podcast aiming to foster mental and emotional well-being in academia for academics at every level of seniority and all around the world. Today we are talking about a crucial question, to PhD or not to PhD. I have asked this question myself many times, many years ago, before I started my own PhD journey. And since I started, I have mentored and coached many people who come to me with the same question or a variation of it. When you look a bit deeper, this is not a question I and many others have asked themselves only in the phase of deciding to do, P- to do a PhD, but also while doing their PhD. I don't want to generalize this to everyone who is uh, doing a PhD, but almost everyone I met who was working towards this degree have come back to this question over and over again in the form of should I continue or stop my PhD journey? In short, this is a question we ask ourselves a lot, both before and during our studies. In this episode, I will be reviewing a book called The Realities of Completing a PhD, How to Plan for Success, written by Dr. Nicholas Rowe. Nicholas is a colleague who completed his PhD in education, and he is also very much interested in well-being and academia. He reached out to me earlier this year and asked whether I'd like to review his book, which I gladly accepted. I'm so happy that there is one more well-researched resource that can help aspiring PhD candidates to decide whether they should embark on this adventure or not. Let me first introduce the book a bit before I go to the section specifically written about mental and emotional well-being. The book was published on February 9, 2021 and has two main objectives based on its two main parts. The first objective is to have an extensive discussion about whether it is quote-unquote worth doing a PhD. This is also where the title comes from, as part one of the book includes a long list of issues in relation to PhD dropout, completion, employment and well-being. This section goes through potential reasons to do a PhD, the value of having a PhD degree, the impact it may have on employment potential, mental and emotional well-being during a PhD, and some other practicalities such as commitments when it comes to time, socializing, finance, relocation, and so on. And the second objective of the book is to guide aspiring PhD students to prepare their proposal and application. For instance, how to select your research topic, 
how to choose a university or a supervisor, how to apply for a PhD and what to expect, how to write a research proposal and what to expect in terms of supervision and support. The list goes on. As someone who did her PhD in Belgium with a scholarship, there were parts I related to a bit less. And let me explain. The process of doing a PhD differs a lot from one country to another. For instance, in the United States or in the United Kingdom, as far as I know, you are expected to choose a university, a department and supervisor and write a research proposal to formally apply to become their PhD student. I'm not exactly sure anymore about how the scholarship thing works, but in many universities you used to, at least, automatically also apply for a scholarship in exchange for working as a research or teaching assistant. The scholarship is usually a humble amount to support you during your studies so that you don't have to go work elsewhere and just focus on your research. Now, in Belgium, things are a bit different. Despite having some friends in STEM, who need to do their research in a lab environment and need specific equipment. I don't know their situation exactly. So I will be talking mostly about social sciences and humanities, which are the disciplines where you usually do not need a lab and specific expensive equipment to carry out experiments and all. So here in Belgium, if you want to pursue a PhD in social sciences, you have two main options. First one is following a similar track uh, to the US and UK, write a research proposal and apply to become a doctoral student. If you want, you can also apply for funding from different funding bodies and find your own scholarship. The main difference from the US is that here in Belgium, applying for a PhD is not automatically applying for a scholarship at the university. As far as I know, universities themselves usually do not have the funds to finance a complete PhD trajectory in terms of scholarships. Even if that is the case, it must be pretty exceptional because I've never heard about someone who got this type of scholarship. So you have to take care of those things separately. And as you may imagine, this is a pretty uncertain route to take. I know a lot of people who have started their doctoral studies and over the coming months or years kept applying for funding. Some did find a scholarship, some didn't. Taking this route obviously requires more work and dedication from your side because you need to stay motivated most of the time all alone. The second mainstream option is to apply for a PhD position that is advertised as a vacancy. Typically, some professor writes a project proposal and finds funding for a project and then looks for one or more PhD students to carry out certain parts of that research. And this could be a large scale project carried out by a consortium of many professors from many universities across the country, Europe, or even the world. 
the main objectives of that PhD project are mostly defined beforehand. Sometimes even the literature and the methods that will be used are laid out clearly. So the PhD candidate just can start doing the work. You need to apply to such positions just like you apply to any other job vacancy. And every university and professor have their own way of choosing the person they want to hire. Some do interviews, some do exams, you name it. If you are hired, you go and register at that university as a PhD student. You get an office, you get a scholarship, which amounts to a typical junior level researcher salary, and you start working. In this second scenario, you are usually regarded as a colleague in the department you are working on. As you can imagine, there are lots of differences between these two scenarios beyond funding and scholarship issues. For instance, the supervision that you receive may differ because in the first scenario, you may be more like a student who needs to follow up with their supervisor. While in the second one, your supervisor may be following up with you because you are their employee at the same time. Another example is that you may have more creative freedom maybe in the first scenario because you may be doing your research more independently. Uh, you came up with the project on your own and you defined everything else in the meantime. While in the second scenario, you may need to pay more attention to some parts that you normally wouldn't because you're expected to deliver results on certain areas. Now, I was in the second category. So for the position I had, I didn't have to write a proposal to start my PhD or look for funding, but I had to do more work than typically needed for a PhD because I had to produce a PhD dissertation as well as some other reports. I'm telling you this whole story so that you have one more example about how things work in a different country around the world when it comes to doctoral work. None is better than the other, they're just different. You can find advantages and disadvantages to all of them. The thing is, you need to learn about the possibilities you have when it comes to doctoral work. Do you want to do purely research or are you interested in being employed while doing a PhD? Do you want to work on a very specific subject or with a particular professor? Or are you more flexible when it comes to your research topic and okay with the idea of someone or some funder telling you what to do? At the end of his book, Nicholas also has included a so-called PhD checklist where he takes you through some open-ended questions about your motives and expectations around starting your PhD. Considering my personal interest in mental and emotional well-being in academia, part one of the book was more interesting for me. Despite being a committed scholar himself, Nicholas doesn't shy away from revealing the bad and the ugly sides of doing a PhD in a world where aspiring PhD students focus mostly on the good. On the one hand, part one is 
pretty pessimistic with all the potential difficulties that may come up. Things that most people would prefer to ignore before starting their PhD journey. Nicholas is very much aware of what he is doing as part one ends with the following words. If you have read this far and are still thinking about doing a PhD, well done. Second part of the book is about preparing your PhD application. On the other hand, the information he gives is true and needs to be faced with. Nicholas indeed makes you face the realities of doing a PhD if you're someone who has only positive expectations about it. This book tests your motivation and dedication to start a PhD and this is very much needed considering all the idealism around academic careers people perceive on the outside and the heavy disappointment many people face when they get in. As I said in the beginning, Nicholas has a chapter in this book titled Emotions and Well-Being During a PhD. This short but powerful chapter is based on the research done on mental health and well-being among graduate and postgraduate students in universities. Diagnosable moderate to severe anxiety and depression, overwhelming feelings of loneliness and isolation, experiences of bullying and discrimination by professors or peers. These findings are reported by a number of large-scale studies spanning different universities across the world. One of the sources that is often cited in this book is a report by a PhD student, Bethan Cornell, called PhD Life, the UK Student Experience. This report reveals that around one-third of PhD students in the UK have sought professional help for anxiety or depression caused by their PhD experience. I went ahead and read this report and also saw that 66% of PhD students use negative words to describe their experience within the academic system, while only 25% use positive words. My biggest takeaway from this chapter is this. If you're looking to start doctoral studies or if you're currently doing a PhD, make your mental health a priority. But more importantly, if you have had any underlying or chronic mental health conditions that have bothered you in the past, go into the PhD while being extra careful. I'm not aware of any research stating that a PhD causes mental illness, but it definitely will have a big impact on your mental health. So if you have something going on, do not only plan how you will do your research and write your dissertation, but also make a plan about how you will handle mental health related difficulties if they ever arise. Well, although I said if a moment ago, unfortunately, most of the time, this is not a question of if, but when. Episode 9 of Mind Your Own Revisions podcast provides more information about how you make a just-in-case plan around your mental health. All in all, you should expect from the book exactly what the title says, the realities of completing a PhD beyond sunshine, flowers, and butterflies. Well, the last part was my addition. 
And when it comes to PhD or not to PhD, the ultimate question you need to ask yourself is this. Is it necessary to have this degree to do what I want to do in life? If your answer is not a resounding yes, well, think again. And now over to you. I would really like to hear from you on this one. So do contact me about it. If you are a PhD student currently, how did you decide to embark on this journey? And how does it feel for you to be doing a PhD at this moment? Do you think that your well-being is compromised? Is it strictly related to COVID or not? If you have finished your PhD, look back at your initial motivation to start your PhD and your experiences during your studies. Was it worth it? And finally, if you are contemplating about starting a PhD, what is the reason why you want to do this? Please do send me your answer using the contact section of the Mind Your Own Revisions website or feel free to post on the Facebook page of Mayor. As always, you can find the references and links in the show notes in the podcast website. Also, please go to mindyourownrevisions.com to learn more about how I help fellow academics to maintain mental and emotional well-being and do sign up for my fortnightly newsletter to receive more resources, tips and tricks. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, please start following Mind Your Own Revisions on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your academic friends about this podcast. What are your thoughts about today's topic? I would love to hear from you. Until next time, bye!